Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has been preserved for us. We thank you for the word made flesh, Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. Help us to hear what he would say to us now in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to turn your attention to our passage in uh, Philippians uh, this morning. Philippians chapter 4. Paul is describing the way of peace, the path of peace here for those who are in Christ. I think it's obvious we'd all say that we are in great need of God's peace today. When we think about what's happening globally, global events like the the war between Israel and Hamas, uh, the war that's happening in Ukraine, the, the rising uh, threat of, of China as a rival superpower. We need God's peace as we think about what's happening out there. And, of course, we need God's peace for our everyday lives as we uh, go through the uh, circumstances and stresses of our everyday lives. We need God's peace. I was telling some people last week that I had a run of, of days you've I'm sure had days like this where it's like, well, what's the next thing that's going to happen? Um, so one day my, my debit card was hacked in some sort of security breach, and I had to take care of that. And then I got up the next day, and I found that one of my tires was flat, which isn't so bad, but then I had to go get that repaired, and then there were three more tires that I needed to buy. Uh, and then the day after that, I plugged in my computer, and my screen was black. So my laptop is kaput. And so it was like one thing after the other. What is next? You, I'm sure, have had weeks like that. Those problems, of course, are minuscule in the grand scheme of things, but they add a layer of stress. So how can we, who are pelted by these little stresses and pummeled by these bigger stresses, these bigger anxieties of what's going on, how can we... Have the peace of God. Last week we looked and saw how the Apostle Paul reminds us that prayer is a primary way of peace. Through prayer, we're reminded of our center, of who is holding us together. We remember that as Paul is writing this, he's somebody who is in an anxious circumstance, he's writing from prison. And Paul knew what it was to be under immense stress and pain. He was tortured for the cause of Christ. He was imprisoned for Christ. And yet, he's telling us that we can have this peace as we pray, the peace of, of Christ, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, he says. As you pray about every anxiety, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will be a guardian for your heart and mind, the very center of your life guarded by the peace of God that is in Christ Jesus. So I'm not going to repeat what I preached last week on prayer and peace. I do want to come back, though, to one thing that I think is helpful to uh, remember, is that sometimes we, and oftentimes, we don't get uh, instant peace through prayer. It's not like uh, there's a supernatural blanket that comes upon us every time, and we instantly have that peace. Sometimes God does operate that way, and that's wonderful when he gives us an instant sense of peace, but sometimes there's a struggle for this in prayer. 
We remember that Jesus himself, our Lord himself, who of course was sinless, he struggled in prayer. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times as he faced the great, greatest anxiety that anyone faced, that is the anxiety of the cross. And he prayed three times that the cup of this suffering would pass. And after the third time, it was after the third time that he was, a, uh, was able to rise to his feet and face the cross saying, not my will, God, but your will be done. There was a struggle there in prayer for peace. So again, sometimes uh, through prayer in a crisis, people will experience an almost instantaneous supernatural peace. But Paul in, in Philippians 4 is talking about a life of prayer, praying about everything all the time, a lifestyle of prayer. So um, I think the peace that comes through prayer is oftentimes less like a switch that comes on instantly and more like a dial. It's a matter of, of degrees. And so I don't want people to get discouraged or feel guilty as they're dealing with anxieties and fears in their life. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Don't feel guilty. When you start exercising, you don't see the results right away, but it's working. And that's how it is with prayer. Sometimes at a very subconscious level. So we need to trust God's Word here, no matter what our experiences, trust that as we go to God in prayer, God is putting us back together again. He is making us whole. That's what peace means as we offer up our anxieties to God. Well, then Paul, after talking about a prayer in the context here of discussing the peace of God, he writes about our thought life, our thought life. So he goes from what we are to pray about to what we are to think about. Because our sense of peace, haven't you discovered this, that your sense of peace is often related to what's going on in here, what you're filling your mind with. And so Paul says here, whatever, here's the things you, you ought to fill your mind with. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything of excellence or anything of virtue, anything that's praiseworthy, Think about these things. Dwell on these things. And that, that word, that's, uh, that, that phrase, think about, is, is one word in Greek, and it comes from the commercial world. It comes from the world of business. Paul is plucking this out of the business world. Think of an accountant who is, who is carefully looking over the books, the expenses and the income, making sure everything is, is balanced. Think of a treasurer who's counting every penny, being very careful to think about these things, to get things in order. And Paul says that's what we ought to do when it comes to our thought life. Be very careful about what you are pondering. Christian philosopher Dallas Willard says, The ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow our minds to dwell on. And we have that great power. No matter what the circumstances are, we can, we have this freedom uh, to select what we're going to dwell upon. And so Paul says, whatever is true. I just, I'm not going to talk about each one of these 
items listed here, but just touch on this one because this is foundational. Whatever is true, think about these things. That is the starting point with what we're to fill our minds with. What is true? What is reality? What has God said? Because if we don't know what is true, we don't have a foundation for knowing what is true, then how can we discern what is excellent and honorable and lovely and praiseworthy? And think about this. An example would be two people go see the same movie. They, they, they watch the, the, the same movie, and at the end of the movie, Joe says, well, that's, that was an excellent movie. I'm going to go rec- uh, recommend this to all my friends. I'm going to tell all my friends they need to see this movie. It was excellent. But Linda has seen the same movie, and she says, well, I, you know, it was well done, and the acting was good. Visually, it was appealing, but I don't think it was excellent because it was not promoting what I believe to be true and good and beautiful. She has a different understanding of what is truth. So the, the difference is, is, is over a matter of truth. And as Christians, of course, we believe that God is the one who gives us truth. God is the one who gives us truth in his word. God has revealed his truth in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that uh, everyone who is of the truth listens to his voice. So God wants us to know the truth. God wants us to know reality. He's revealed that to us graciously in his word and through Christ. And this is foundational to all these other things that Paul says you ought to dwell upon these things. And so maybe this week one way we could apply this is just to take this passage, Philippians chapter 4. Verse 8, and, and we can pray about this and ask God, uh, are, there, are there things here that, that I need to be dwelling upon more? Do I need to be more concerned about what is true, what is real? Do I need to be concerned about purity in my thought life? Do I need to start focusing on a world that's filled with a lot of Let's face it, injustice and ugliness. We don't want to ignore that. We want to make that a, a matter of prayer. But we don't want to fill our minds so much with that that we mess out on what is lovely. When we uh, are attentive to lovely things, it should lift our hearts and minds to the one who is love, who is the giver of all good gifts. So we, we might take this scripture this week and just Make it a matter of prayer and meditation. What do I need to work on with the help of God, the Holy Spirit, in these matters? Um, one way that I've tried to apply this and trying to learn to apply this and growing in this is I'm a, I'm a moderate fan of detective stories and crime stories. There are some people who are major fans of that kind of genre of literature and movies and things. So I dabble in this, uh, crime and detective and things like that. That's not Josie's forte, so uh, we have a little disagreement here on this. She likes different kinds of shows and fiction, but I like the crime stuff. But what I found is, you know, uh, there are some shows and some podcasts that are, that, that, that really... Uh, traffic in lurid details. 
you know, that, that they get into the nitty-gritty descriptions of these crimes. They, they trade in the shock value of it. And so, you know, listening to some of those things or watching some of those shows at, at a certain point, I'm like, I, this is not good for me. I, I don't need to fill my... I know that these ugly things exist, but I don't need to dwell on these things. I don't want to become desensitized to this kind of evil. And, and so I have to make choices there. So oftentimes I find myself going back to the older stuff, the older mystery writers and the older TV shows uh, to read or to watch. So you can call me an old fuddy-duddy, I guess, and my kids will join. They'll be right there with you. Dad, you're so lame. But see, we've got to be discerning about how it's impacting us. And everybody has, I'm not trying to lay down any laws here, but we have to be discerning. About how it's uh, affecting us. I've heard some people talk about how, you know what, I just need to take a break from the news for a season. It's making me too anxious and, and it's filling my mind with unjust, unlovely, and ugly things. And so I'm just going to take a break from the news for a while. Some people have to do that. Remember during the pandemic? <laughs> during the pandemic, there was a phrase that came out called doom scrolling. Or people just are on their screens and just going from one piece of bad news to the other. It can almost become an addiction. Doom scrolling. There's a time that we need to step away from that. Not to bury our heads in the sand, but, but to get a, a broader perspective. This is my Father's world. God is in control. There are still lovely things. There are still good things. There are still good people. And so God is pointing this out to us through his apostle. This is a path of peace. Fill your mind with these sorts of things. So it's a, it's a matter of what we're praying about. It's a matter of what we're pondering. But then Paul says it's also a matter, this path of peace that God is laying out for us is also a matter of what we practice, of the way that we live. You see that at Verse 9, when he says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen from me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul had spent time with this church in Philippi. They received his teaching. They, they saw his way of life. And he's saying, recall that and then put it into practice and the God of peace, here it is again, he's concerned with peace. The God of peace will be with you. Practice these things, he's saying, what you've seen in me. Now, that might sound arrogant, but he's not saying, uh, follow me because I, Paul, am so great. But Paul, of course, is aware that he's an apostle. He's a sent one. Christ has sent him. What he teaches is from Christ, and he is seeking to follow Christ, and he admits in this letter earlier on, he's not perfect, but that's what he's seeking to do. He's seeking to follow Christ. And so he says in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Imitate me because I am seeking by the grace of God to follow Christ. And I want you to follow Christ, to be more like him. What does that have to do with peace? This idea of imitating uh, those who are imitating Christ. What does that have to do with this sense of wholeness? Well, I think 
part of the anxiety of our age, and I wonder if you agree with this, that, that there are people, so many people, who've lost the meaning of life. They don't know what the purpose or end of life is. Or as the ancient says, the ancient Greeks would talk about the telos. What is the ultimate goal of life? And in the modern age, there's so many people who don't know what that is. They don't have a center, a goal that's holding them together. And so they're divided. Because there's so many voices in the culture pulling us one way or this way, saying this is the goal of life. This is the thing you ought to pursue. This is the telos. Materialism. Shop till you drop. <laughs> Binge shop on Amazon and have the stuff coming to you through the delivery trucks and the drones. And, and you'll be satisfied. You'll be happy. He who dies with the most toys wins. Is that the end? Is that the purpose? Is that the telos? Hedonism. Get as much pleasure as you can, as much pleasurable experiences as you can until you check out. That's the goal of life, some people are saying. And then there are people saying, well, no, it's about loving others. And it's about serving others. And it's not about you. And that's getting closer to the mark. Because that's coming from Christ. That idea, that philosophy of life is something that our Western world still holds to. And the source of that is Jesus Christ. So if we don't have an understanding of what the telos is, the end, the meaning of life, the purpose of it all, we will be fragmented as people. And Christianity is saying the end of life, the goal is fellowship with God and to become more like Him who created you. You're created in the image of God. You're created then to know God. God has made a way for you to know Him through His Son. You can have peace with God in our natural state. We are apart from God because of our sin, but because of what Jesus Christ has done, His perfect life, His death on the cross, His resurrection, you can have peace with God. You can know that you're right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And then the image of God can be progressively restored in you. God can begin to put you back together again in His image. As you come to him and ask him to help you become more like his son, Jesus Christ. So that is the, that is the goal. Paul says this is the path of peace that God has given to us. This wholeness that God wants to give to you. And part of the process is learning from people who are imitating Christ. To look at them. To learn about them. And say... They're farther along on the path than I am. I, I need to grow in these things. That's why we need one another, friends. That's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need this community. Because we need each other. We need to learn from others and we need to help others grow. We need to find examples and we need to be an example of those who are imitating Christ to others. God knows that we are, I mean, God is the one who designed us and God has hardwired us to be people who imitate. You know, this is why little children imitate their parents. It's just built into them. I start mowing my lawn. Well, I, I don't mow my lawn anymore, but I do lawn work over there with my 
my blower, you know, and little Sam, next thing you know, he's asking for a blower, you know, to blow the leaves. Same color as dad's. He wants, it's just hardwired, isn't it? It's hardwired into our children. It's hardwired into us. And, and you hear about this even in the, the sports arena when, let's say, a, a sports team that's not been doing very well, they bring on a, a star to the team. Like somebody who's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Like Albert Pujols. <laughs> Remember Albert Pujols here? I mean, this was a guy who's obviously in the Hall of Fame. And when he came up, the younger players, as his career progressed, the younger players would say, I've learned so much just watching him. How he goes about his business. He does it with excellence. He's the best hitter on the team, but he's taking the most batting practice, for example. And it lifts everybody up by his example. This is how God has wired us. And it's the same in the body of Christ. God has given us the church, and there are some in the body of Christ who, who reflect uh, the compassion of Christ. They have a ministry of helping. And when you see those who are compassionate, it, it, it it stirs something in you. You want to be more like them if the Spirit of Christ is in you. There are people in the body of Christ who reflect the wisdom of Christ. They have great minds. They have great intellects. They can discern truth from falsehood when it comes to doctrine. And they're an inspiration, an example, and they're a help to all of us. There are some who are Christ-like in their great faith and their trust in God. And they're not riddled with anxiety. And when you're around them, when you hang out with them, that begins to rub off on you. That begins to challenge you. Their faith in God. So in our struggle for peace in an anxious world, let's not cut ourselves off from the body of Christ. We need one another. We need to be in relationship with one another. You need to be there for others. And you need to see others imitating Christ. There was a time when I was going through a lot of anxiety right after I graduated from graduate school. Didn't know what the future held. And I was going through stress and panic attacks. A couple of trips to the ER thinking I was having a heart attack. And I remember talking to this, this older saint, a, a lady in her 70s. And she was uh, asking me how things were going. And I was sharing with her what I was going through. And she said, that's just stress. That's just fear. That's just anxiety. I'm like, I know. And it's hard. <laughs> and then she said, but then she said, you have to trust God. You, you have to trust that God has a plan for you. And God is going to take care of you and your family. That's simple, but she got to the issue underneath the anxiety, which was, I wasn't trusting God. I was afraid, and I was in a place where it was hard for me to trust God with my future. And I had to give that over to God and believe that whatever my future holds, God is there. And Christ will give me the strength that I need to meet whatever the future holds. Paul says after this, he's learned the secret of being content, peaceful, together in all things, in all circumstances. Christ will give me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He will meet you in that future moment that you fear. 
and he'll be there to give you strength. So in a world of worry, let's pray, let's ponder the good things, and let's imitate those. Like this lady who had a lifetime of imitating Christ. Amen. Lord, I do pray for us that you would help us to grow in your peace and in your promises. Help us to, in a world of great anxiety and worry and fear, to be people who walk this path of peace, to be a light to those who are struggling with this darkness. And help us to make it our goal to imitate you, Lord Christ. You're the perfect man of peace. You're the one who, (laughs) your thought life was perfectly pure and good. And you lived in complete trust. And we thank you that we stand righteous in you and that you have shown us this way and you can help us grow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.